Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, this is Chris with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Jonathan Sella with YouNow. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Chris. It's great to talk to you. Yeah, likewise. Um, give us some a bit about your background. Sure. Um, so, you know, my, my career has been mostly uh, around uh, startups, and particularly in, in around media, video, and, and blockchain. And I, I've been mostly uh, dealing with building companies. Uh, also, uh, I also love investing, and, and these are kind of the two main things. Um, I started, I had um, some years in the, in the military, in the Air Force, and, and afterwards, uh, I um, joined the, the founding team of a startup called Kivinci, which is an online uh, video or an OTT platform, uh, where I spent five years as uh, VP marketing and, uh, and product strategy. And Kivinci was uh, selling, uh, it was a B2B company, selling into broadcasters and pay TV operators. And it was acquired by uh, Kaltura. And I also co-founded another startup uh, in a different field that uh, didn't work out. And afterwards, I went uh, on to to study my uh, my masters. And I uh, and after that, I uh, joined uh, Venrock, which is a great VC firm here in New York, where I live today. And, and at Venrock, I was focused on two things: uh, digital media and, and video, which was my my background for the five years prior to that. And also what was then called Bitcoin and blockchain verticals, uh, which was kind of the first uh, or the second wave of 
uh, interest in blockchain by by uh, the tech industry. Um, and I was really digging deep on, on these two things. That's how we we found uh, Yuna, which was a, an early stage startup back then. Uh, we made the investment. Uh, but uh, that's also when I got introduced to blockchain and um, bought my, my first tokens and then Bitcoin and uh, and started, um, um, you know, remained very interested in this field ever since. I spent um, a couple of years at Yuna, uh, it, it was an incredible ride. We've, we've amassed a really large community of about 40 million users and pioneered a lot of stuff in live streaming. And, and about a year ago, a little over a year, we kind of started the, the next phase of that uh, journey, which is uh, props. Props is uh, um, really this combination of video and blockchain, my two uh, passions. And and um, and that's basically the story. That's what we've been doing uh, since, and uh, it's been an, uh, an incredible journey. Very good. So, video and blockchain. How are you bringing those together in, in props? Right. So, uh, you know, you know, started. It was the first uh, live live video mobile app to gain traction in the U.S. Um, and uh, you know, as I said, more than 40 million users and very high engagement and. That engagement of users spending about 45 minutes a day on average on the platform also translates into a flourishing digital economy. And you now launched the first two-sided virtual goods economy in the U.S. where users can purchase digital goods on the one end using a digital non-cryptocurrency and content creators can earn on the other side. So this was really the first... Uh, intersection of uh, video gaming and microtransactions for for creators and this has uh, always been our story enabling creativity interaction and participation by the audience and 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 you know we've done that for a few years and and saw some some great success around that but when when blockchain came in um, this has really been the opportunity to take this to the next level so We've already been running a, a large community of content creators and, and, and users, and they've already been transacting in a, in a digital economy with a virtual currency that we've created. With blockchain, uh, we're able to launch Props, which is a decentralized ecosystem for digital video. And the idea with Props was to uh, open up the, the network for developers to build on top of it, to have a shared uh, kind of video uh, uh, library and uh, shared uh, data uh, to to a large extent, and replace the, the the gameplay token with a crypto token, which means it can be taken across multiple apps. Which means um, uh, users can hold it and control it, which means it is not controlled by us as a company, but uh, it is part of a network, uh, the props network, which is much more of a public utility network for digital media. Uh, rather than a, a proprietary service with one uh, tax collector, which is the way most digital media networks are run today. Okay. So um, can you give us some specific, specific examples about um, how these shared videos and the, the creators are um, affecting change or what, what benefit that they're, they're gaining from that? Absolutely. So, you know, the... The idea in general of the Internet today is that ultimately the, the business model of the web uh, comes down to companies that are collecting data um, and 
protecting that data as, as, as their own private data and then monetize that data. That's what Facebook does. That's what Google does. Um, and, and that's what most of the successful uh, web companies or, or Internet companies that, that we know today, that's their model. But the, the idea is that all of, all of these business models basically depend on the fact that the data is closed and is owned by, by that network. With crypto and with kind of cryptocurrencies and, and with a blockchain, you're able to uh, decentralize the, that control of the data and open up the network and effectively uh, making the, that data that is and the content that is created by users, consumed by users, that users are curating, uh, you're able to take all of that data and enable multiple different developers to access it, uh, to, uh, to build apps on top of it, uh, and to use it. And that way, you kind of break up that, uh, those monopolies that were created uh, on the Internet. Specifically with props, uh, the idea is to create a video network that behaves according to, these, uh, to this logic. So the idea is that um, you can create, uh, content creators can create videos and consumers can consume these videos and, and developers can build applications to create different flavors and types of videos uh, or consume different flavors and types of videos. Uh, and the idea is that every single entity in this tokenized network uh, uses the token in order to do certain things and gets rewarded in the token for doing for adding value. So instead of a world in which you have a, a Facebook or, or, or a, a YouTube uh, and these type of companies who've amassed hundreds of billions of dollars uh, in enterprise value that ultimately stays uh, with this tax collector that manages the network, instead of that, you can have a model where the network is public and everybody gets rewarded exactly based on their contribution to the network, algorithmically, in a fair way, uh, in a measurable way. And, and there's no possibility of anyone to take advantage uh, of, of this network just for their own uh, proprietary uh, use and, and, and for their uh, profit maximization and, and need. So, so many more people benefit from the, the, the current model, as you mentioned, like with Facebook or um, other or other similar services. So um, I'm curious, from the you mentioned from the content uh, developer side to the consumer side, how do you see developers building on those experiences specifically with um, with props? Yeah, so that's a great question. And it's, first of all, there's the, you know a lot of use cases remain to be seen. I can tell you about. Uh, one for the first application that's already been launched on the props network uh, is uh, an application called Rise. And Rise is an application that utilizes the props infrastructure. And basically, uh, it is a many-to-many -many video application. So it is a, an interactive video application where users can come together, broadcast, chat with, with friends, consume content together, um, and, and meet new people and also broadcast around various themes. And Rise um, and earnings in Rise are essentially working uh, and, and will continue to evolve towards working uh, by the model that I that I just described. And we we chose kind of this first use case on the ecosystem to be around this participatory video, live video, because this is obviously an area that we know very well, and we know very well how to manage a virtual economy with in-app purchases, which is um, kind of the, the model that, that uh, Rise is, uh, is based on. 
And that's a, kind of the first app on the ecosystem. It leverages both the video technology, the many-to-many video technology, as well as uh, the currency. So that's the idea there. It's a little hard to explain just like that, but imagine a world where everybody can be on camera, consume content, uh, connect with other users, um, and, uh, and create content together with them with very simple and intuitive drag and drop, kind of like think of a Facebook live stream, but instead of just one person being live and everybody else just writing in the chat, imagine both that person and everybody in the chat is live, so everybody can be on camera, everybody can talk to other people, everybody can get a like, and ultimately everybody can also earn. So that's a very, it creates very different dynamics, and it's a, it's a very cool uh, um, use case that isn't, isn't that, uh, that is pretty new. Yeah, that, that definitely has a lot of implications. I, I think about the, um, you know, just watching a, a, a movie or a television show or any other media, the, uh, the attention span that we have is, um, you know, relatively limited. So changing from screen to screen. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I totally so, agree. Yeah. And so seeing that happen in, in a live sense where it's, uh, you know, you're having a conversation and it's automatically redirected over to, to another person, and that that just is a compelling, a very compelling idea. Yeah, I, I agree, and it's still early days for it, and there are multiple um, potential implications for this idea. And we're, you know, we, we'll 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 have to see what developers want to want to build on top of it. We've already been approached by um, over a hundred developers who want to build on top of this network uh, with all sorts of, of cool ideas. We ourselves thought of a bunch of different ideas. We see two additional apps that are being developed these days uh, with very different use cases than the basic Rise use case that I mentioned. Um, and some of these things include social gaming, so the type of stuff that would require people to be face-to-face and to play a social game like a party game. Or uh, other examples, not necessarily stuff that is being built right now, can be uh, live game shows, TV-like shows where the audience can just be at home. Or you can think of karaoke or you can think of just um, a type of YouTube where people can watch content together. So there's many, many implications of, uh, of this technology where, where you marry a strong video infrastructure with an open system that runs on a token and that incentivizes the various stakeholders. Now, with with video, there's a lot of bandwidth, obviously, behind you know with the, the data that's being used. Um, what kind of uh, what kind of situations are you running into with with dealing with bandwidth and distributing um, the video in, in real time without the the uh, the lag? Yeah, so that's a <laughs> that's a a little less related to necessarily to crypto. This is more of a a, a technical. Um, expertise of ours. We've been dealing with live video for for six years, um, and that's uh, and you know over the years we've moved between different technologies, um, from from Flash through all sorts of different setups that we've created, uh, ultimately landing on a, a, a unique uh, permutation or implementation on top of WebRTC, um, which is a very strong technology for low latency, good quality high reliability video in real time. And the and so we've taken the basic WebRTC and we've built on top of it for, I'd say, about uh, almost two years uh, to reach kind of this level of smooth many-to-many video that we currently have. And now taking that and making it available as a platform for everybody to be able to build on top of, ultimately open sourcing it, um, is, is another uh, 
you know, another big challenge that we are uh, dealing with right now is, as we're seeing additional apps being built on top of that same infrastructure. And, and you know, God is in the details there of how you optimize it and make it good. But it's certainly uh, many thousands of man hours went into that. All right. So what's on your company roadmap for the next 12 months? So for us, this is a fascinating transition from really a more of a standard, quote-unquote, startup uh, that uh, is operating under the standard uh, model that startups operate on, which is, you know, you go out to the world, you, um, you start building a product, uh, building your team, raising money, getting users, getting a revenue model in place, et cetera, et cetera, um, and then trying to scale the business. And that is one model that most of the startups in the world follow. And then right now, over the past year, we, we've been in this, transition from the mindset of a company to a mindset of a fully open network that is a public utility network that is not controlled by us. We are just a kind of a founding partner, if you will, or the first developer on this network that has a lot of responsibility to create at least the the basic foundation for other developers to later build on top of and, and both build additional infrastructure and also just build applications on top of the infrastructure that is there. And this transition, uh, is it, it's very hard to explain how deep it is. It is how you think of the economics, how you think of um, the, the architecture of the system, how you think of your own role. Uh, you move from a world of one company necessarily competing with almost all other companies in its space to a model where you are um, all you want is for other companies that are potential competitors to join the same network to strengthen the network and grow the network as a whole. And that's part of the beauty of crypto, and that's a huge part of the of this transition. More specifically, for us, it means that we're very focused on, um, you know, building the, the protocol, building um, the, the foundation, building APIs to enable people to, to access uh, some of the shared infrastructure, and also uh, getting developers to join this ecosystem and build additional applications uh, uh, on top of, of what we're doing. Um, and um, so, so that's the, the, the big part of the effort. The other side of the effort is just to take an existing application that's, that we've launched, the Rise app, and grow it as an app in and of itself. And those are two separate efforts, obviously related, but one of them is more of a standard growing an application and the community, etc. And the other is kind of growing this open network. Okay. So what do you see kind of in the near-term future for developments with video and blockchain, maybe not just in your company, but just in general? Yeah, I think that a lot of people are trying to bridge this uh, this gap. There's two, I'd say roughly there's two main types of efforts being done in the video space uh, when it comes to blockchain. One of them is on the infrastructure level, and that's when we're talking about uh, companies like or projects like uh, LivePeer, which is trying to do decentralized streaming of uh, live video, or a company like uh, SETA or SETA token, and a bunch of other companies that are focused on how to uh, get the video, kind of like think of a decentralized CDN or decentralized content delivery network of sorts. A bit of a simplification, but that's kind of to to put that in one bucket. The other bucket is more similar to what we're doing here, 
which is around creating decentralized applications that go all the way to the end user, to a standard consumer. And, and those types of applications, uh, uh, the two types of applications face different problems. Uh, one of them, uh, and, and I think the challenge in general for, for blockchain overall has been to create applications that are really used by people that are outside of the core, super dedicated, savvy blockchain users who are usually you know, the hodlers and the, the true believers uh, of, of, of blockchain. And part of our mission, and I think others in this space, is how to create um, products that appeal to a wider, you know, set of users, some of them without kind of that level of savviness and passion for blockchain, who are just interested in consuming a digital, digital, media, di- digital media content or video on their, on their mobile devices. And the, this challenge that I think is shared across many in the industry is how to, on the one hand, maintain the advantages of the blockchain and on the other hand uh, or benefit from the advantages of the blockchain and on the other hand also create a user experience that is uh, you know on par with uh, with some of the regular centralized services that are out there and bridging that gap is is very difficult and that's one of the the key challenges that i think many in this industry are are facing so that's that's one um, and another interesting one to point out is again when you start dealing with uh, consumers and, and you're dealing with a cryptocurrency that uh, in many cases fluctuates in its value or is foreign to a lot of people that presents another challenge in how you get users to trust that that cryptocurrency use it not be um, uh, concerned by the the mere fact that and a cryptocurrency is involved, but rather embrace it and understand the incredible benefits that it gives to everybody on the net. That's uh, those are interesting points on both sides. What do you what do you think it takes to to bridge that gap, especially with getting the the consumer trust? In in my view, it, it requires two things, um, and and you know the the future will tell us uh, what what's been the secret sauce there. But our approach and my personal view is that. First, there is always, you know, life and business decisions are so much about creating a balance. And I think what, in, in my view, it is rarely the case where we're being a, an, an all-in purist and what brings the best results. I'm a believer that you need to make some sacrifices and have more of a process-oriented uh, approach or view this whole thing as an evolutionary process where it is fine to leverage some of the fantastic um, stuff that the current centralized infrastructure and centralized, um, you know, digital space offers. So, for example, it's probably useful to use a device like the iPhone, and it's probably useful to use a centralized uh, application store, which is the, the App Store or probably useful to um, utilize for some activities, for example, the video delivery stack, uh, some centralized components, because currently the decentralized alternatives are not up to speed and and will not enable you to create a good enough user experience. So I think that that is one, to have a a practical approach to decentralization uh, where you pick and choose the elements that are most important in order to achieve the overall goal. In our case, for example, the overall goal is to democratize and open up uh, the digital media space, particularly in video, and we keep that as the goal. And we want to fairly compensate all the different stakeholders that contribute to the success of that network. So we focus on these things. And, um, for example, we are 
at the moment less concerned with censorship resistance on the very basic level um, and we're more concerned about just not having control of content distribution in the hands of, uh, of uh, just one or two companies, but we're not dealing right now with kind of government level censorship resistance as, as a key uh, design criteria. So that, for example, has some implications on how our architecture works and, and how uh, we build the system. So that's just one example, and that's, that was number one, which is a practical approach to decentralization. The second thing is about just being very, I think the blockchain space, uh, for the most part, has been built by developers and for developers or, and by developers and for a, a very savvy type users. So I think the second thing, in, in short, is a, a user-oriented or a friendly user experience type uh, products and, and approach to, to, building, uh, to building products that I think is a, Silicon Valley has been uh, incredible at and blockchain world hasn't been focused at on, and probably for the right reasons. But I think now, as we look for kind of more mainstream adoption of the technology as the next thing for 2018, I think that that's going to be required. Yeah, um, I went to a conference recently, and one of the one of the main speakers mentioned exactly what you're saying. With the key to widespread adoption, you have you're reaching a large audience, so you have to make it appealing to them. And and bridging the uh, the gaps between you know blockchain technology and something that's uh, centralized, especially when you're dealing with videos, you you have to use um, the thing that's going to make it work the best for the consumers and the thing that's going to appeal the most to them to survive and I, so agree. I, I think yeah i i think that's that's great that you're you're doing that and headed in that direction so um yeah it's been really great chatting with you today jonathan i wonder if you have any final thoughts uh, that you'd like to share with our audience and maybe how people can best contact you and find out more sure so um to contact me and you, you can just uh write to me on on twitter it's my my full name jonathan sella or, or on linkedin where i'm uh a bit more active, and, and or you can just check out our stuff at propsprojects.com and, and follow our, our Twitter. And so I think the, the last thing I'd say is that if you are a, a developer excited about uh, building a, a blockchain application with kind of a lot of the stack being ready for you and a lot of the um, infrastructural issues being solved for you and you're interested uh, in potentially leveraging props, and join this ecosystem and build on top of it, we would really love to chat. And I encourage you to, to write to me. Uh, my email is Jonathan, my first name, at youknow.com, or you can just sign up on our website for the, in the developer section, and we'd love to talk to you. And just to make sure, that's Jonathan, Y-O-N-A-T-A-N, correct? Correct, at youknow.com. Very good. Jonathan, again, it's been, been great talking to you and uh, – hearing about your viewpoints, especially of uh, the things yet to come. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, and I hope uh, we'll get to chat in a few months and, and see where all that led to. Yeah, definitely. Jonathan Sella with you now. And we'd like to thank, of course, our listeners for tuning in to the Future Tech Podcast. We will catch you here next time. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. 
As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.